Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, we introduce you to special guests who share their personal stories and advice on how to build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their home, community, and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Curlitis, your host. Thank you for joining us once again. Right every week, we gather together to inspire, encourage, and educate moms in their journey through motherhood. We believe that liberty begins at home and that you moms, you are gifted with the most incredible blessing of raising the next generation. So right at the top of the show, I want to let you know about today's discussion. I am going to apologize on the front of the show as well. I'm just getting over a cold. So if I've got this little bit of a scratchy voice, I'm so sorry, but I'm feeling up to the podcast tonight and I did not, did not want to miss talking with my special guest today. So we will be talking with a former Democratic community organizer. She organized in Michigan. This mom of three realized that the Democratic Party was creating government dependence rather than building free market jobs. Her personal revelation was shocking as she discovered cultural Marxism right before her eyes. We'll hear from her in just a few minutes. But before we talk with Carrie, I want to get um, share a little bit of business with us, right? For those of you that are listening for the first time, I want to invite you to visit our website, which is momsforamerica.us. Check out all our amazing resources, events, and programs. When you stop by, please sign up for our weekly newsletter because this is how we stay connected as a community. We provide information. Um, It's really a great resource for you to know what's happening with Moms for America. Also become a podcast subscriber. We're on YouTube, Rumble. We have recently been added to the Charisma Podcast Network. So we are on all the formats. So please like and subscribe. And if um, you feel like today's podcast would help one of your mama friends, please share this as well. We would appreciate that, right? Because we want to help encourage and inspire other moms because we believe that moms, you are the ones that are going to save this country for our children. So on to today's episode, like I mentioned in the beginning here, our special guest was a former community organizer that saw the left's radical radical agenda up close and very personal. She left the liberal movement after the dependence on the government strategy became extremely obvious to her. Carrie Donovan became a conservative reporter exposing the tactics of the left. She is a journalist and an activist for freedom, liberty, and the Constitution. I met her recently and I said, Carrie, you must, you must come on and join our podcast because the moms are absolutely going to love your story. So welcome, Carrie, to the Moms for America podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you and to your audience. Thank you, Carrie. Well, we had a great conversation on the phone last week and you told me a lot of your story and your passion. And I can't wait to take you through this um, journey with our moms. But first of all, our mamas love to know what other mamas got going in their household. So can you tell us about your family? I know you're a mom of three. Who are your kids and some of their ages? So I have three children, awesome children. I'm so excited to be a mom. I just get, I'm just going to beam. Okay. Thank you for letting me brag about my kids. <laughs> we love that. And my oldest is uh, 23. He's going to be 24 soon in uh, homeschooled until high school. And he is a biomolecular and chemical engineering consultant. 
Wow. Um, my 19 year old is uh, in college. He's going to graduate from college in a few months with a degree in computer uh, engineering. Nice. And my 14 year old daughter, Hope, oh, she's just, I just get excited about her. She's very creative and um, she's an artist and just a wonderful, special person to me. And so I have three children and I have one at home, still homeschooling. Nice. And what state are you in? I'm in North Carolina. Okay. Well, let's talk about that when you mentioned homeschooled. So you've homeschooled for over 20 years. Is it 24 years? 24 years ago, I started homeschooling and working in the homeschooling community. So I didn't actually start homeschooling my own son, Jimmy, until, you know, I would, I guess I'm going to say five, but I tell people I've been homeschooling for 24 years. And why did you decide just real quick, you know, just why did you decide homeschooling? Well, so one day I got a little note in the mail. It was a blue postcard and it said, hey, do you want to be a part of the strategic study on education in your area? And that was in um, Erie, Pennsylvania, 24 years ago. And I said, absolutely. My child, Jimmy, was uh, my first one was almost one year old. And I thought I'm going to figure out what's going on in that school district over there before I give them my precious child, right? Right. And so I had a little bit of, knowledge that there were some problems in the school. So it, it, it really gave me an indication, you know, like a prompting, get, go into the school, figure out what's going on. You'll learn about all those things that were kind of rumors that I'd read okay. about online at the time. And so you've, you learned enough that you decided homeschooling was going to be the choice for you and your family. I spent a year working with that school at that point learning about the curriculum choices that they were going to make. And after that year period of time, um, I decided, yes, this is what we're going to do homeschool because there was no way I was going to let my kids go in that school. And you never looked back. I'm sure. I look never at how, mm-hmm. I mean, look at how great your kids are doing, right? Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I'm, really you. I'm really proud of them, but I hope that people will realize that I really it's homeschooling and taking an active participation in education. That is the reason why my kids, you know, are where they are. But I do, you know, I get excited and it's a little bright, I suppose, right? Right. Well, that's what we do as moms, right? We love yeah. them and then we, we hug right. on them and we bring on them and we just try to get them along their way Come until on. they become adults. Um, and then parenting still never stops them, but it right. changes. All mm-hmm. right. So let's talk about this. So we've heard this term community organizer, right? President Obama made this to be a very yeah. popular term years ago. Um, what drew you in to be a community organizer? Uh, how did this happen? Is this what you were always wanted to be? Or is this something that just happened on your journey? No, I had no idea what a community organizer was. And ironically, I did have some professors, some of the same professors that Obama had. So I know a lot mm-hmm. about what he learned about. Uh, no, how they got, how they, it would probably be the Department of Social Work at Western Michigan University got sort of enticed me into the field of social work and that's how it started. Um, and it really, the what I think what hooked me in the most was when uh, somebody said, well, you're a Christian, aren't you? And don't you wanna help people? And mm-hmm. you know, I went to probably a major's fair or something like that and was listening to t- different people. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I'm pretty sure that's how they hooked me in you're a Christian, aren't you? Don't you want to help people? Now I'm somebody who's always wanted to be a mom. That was my dream was really, I wanted to be a mom. And I found myself in college trying to figure out what I would be interested in doing. Do I want to help people? 
Do I want to nurture people? Yes, of course. I'm a mom, right? So right. I wanted to be, and that was the next best thing to being a mom to me was being a social worker. So in the school of social work, then they started, because I've always been a little bit political, they started to get me into this path of community organizing. Mm. So what does community organizing mean? How can you can define that for us? What, what is your, what is your job? What's your responsibilities? What are they hoping that you were going to accomplish? So what it's presented to me as is one thing, but I'm going to tell you the truth about what community organizing is. And I'm going to cut right to the chase, right? To save time. It's to go into a community to detect, investigate and detect who is the power structure and to agitate the community to make a change. Uh Uh-huh. That's the truth. So rile up a community. Rile up a community, absolutely. That's what Obama did. That's what the the father of community organizing, Saul Alinsky, that's what Saul Alinsky did. That's what I was being trained to do. And is that kind of what we're dealing with now, right? And today's kind of just, we just always repackage old ideas, right? So now we've got critical theory, right? The oppressed and the oppressor, right? So we're always, this is, is there really their agenda to go into a community saying, you know what, you're oppressed. You know who you are, you're the oppressor. And then get everybody kind of at wit's end fighting over something and then never talking about any type of real solutions. It seems like half the time, it's just creating a mess, correct? Correct. And now I'm a supporter of public education. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I think that public education is a good thing to have when it's working right. But the, what's happened in public education now is they're training children how to be community organizers. That's mm. what critical race theory really is. It is. That's what a lot of these curriculum choices and, um, and it, lessons are about is creating a whole entire generation of community organizers. Wow. The left knows what they're doing. They really have this quite figured out well. You talk about lies from the left. You worked with Jesse Jackson. You realized how a culture of government depend, how they were creating a culture of government dependence rather than building a free market Mm -hmm. for jobs. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your revelation because things strike everyone in different ways. Well, here, everybody can be in a room and hear somebody speak, but different things just hit us in a certain way. So let's talk about how this was really your defining moment. Sure. So what happened was I was working for U.S. Representative Howard Wolpe, who was a Democrat, and he was pretty far to the left. But at at the time, so was I. Right. And so I was political and I knew that politics was a way of impacting people's lives. And um, I was working with Jesse Jackson at the time. He was doing a lot of work in South Africa, a lot of community organizing, a lot of agitating and bringing people out into the streets to riot for different things. And, you know, I I could go down a rabbit hole on that. I'm going to try to cut it short. But what really when it really hit me, what what they were doing by creating dependence on the government, that is stealing away a person's freedom because the government, once the government is is in charge of a person's life, it's all about politics. It's all about keeping their power, the political power, right? The elite's power. And so creating that dependence, I knew from my grandfather, who was a farmer, an independent person, a worker, an investor, he made a life for himself. He can then dictate his own life, right? And so because I went into the field to help people, this was shocking to me. Like you said, it was shocking to me. 
that what they what people believed that I was good at was influencing people to be dependent on the government. Like, wait a minute, mm. something happened. Um, I wouldn't train my children to be dependent on the government. I would train my children, whatever you do, don't get dependent on the government, right? Right. So because really that mom heart of mine exploded, I couldn't, you know, I don't think that the world are my children, but I certainly don't want to create more problems for people. I was trying to help people. Right. And I knew that making them dependent on the government was not a way of helping anybody. So what were, what were they doing, making them depend on the government? Some of this, I just want you obviously to state sure. for us because some things um, people are aware of and some people just aren't. So what were you, what were you, what was that mission like? What were they hoping you would do? So specifically what was going on in South Africa at the time, and I could probably relate it to what's going on now in the United States, is creating this grievance industry where people first are divided into smaller groups or tribes, okay? So here in the United States, it would be instead of being an American, you're an African-American or you're a transgender person or whatever. So dividing up a larger group into smaller groups or tribes yeah. and then creating a grievance industry. These people don't have rights um, the same as, uh, as these other people. So that's the oppressor and the oppressed. Right. Grievance, inter, grievance, grievance industry. They're creating a grievance industry. Wow, I've never heard this term. This is incredible. So, okay. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited because usually I'm talking to people who know these things and they're just, no, kind of, I've like, never heard that term. I'm writing that one down because all you have to say that term and you get it, you yeah. get it. Yeah. So these, these community organizers go into the community. So if the community is South Africa or if the community is the United States of America, or if the community is a public school, they're going to look for ways to divide people into smaller groups so that they can basically get them fighting with each other. Right. And that they can get them focused on an enemy. And everybody's then fighting with each other because out of that will be born a grievance industry. And that yeah. grievance industry then can make money, can give them political power, and they just go in and scoop it all up while everybody else is fighting. And they direct, they, whoever is in charge, the powerful elite, direct it where they want it to go. Now, if you're a mom and you have your, you're watching out for your kids, right? You're thinking right. to yourself, well, if my kid isn't at the top of that, then my kid is the one who's going to get trampled. So, you know, as a mom, isn't that really kind of what we're thinking when we're right. raising our children, do it this way. Um, make sure you watch out for these kinds of things. So, you know, as I said, I really, my dream was always really to be a mom. So I see this grievance industry. Oh, I'm sorry. No. And, and it's, this is, I just kind of following up on what you're saying, because this, this grievance industry is being completely taught here in the U S it's completely yes. in our schools. It is this cultural, um, a new cultural revolution of where everybody is, you know, you, you know, you, you, you just have it terrible here in America. You know, you're just, you, 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 you're, you're a poor soul. That's never going to be able to make it because somebody could, because of who you are, right. We're creating all this constant division. So this is something that is happening. It, it seemed like it used to happen at the universities, but now it's going right down to kindergarten. Oh yeah, it is. And this is something that I foresaw happening when I was involved in that strategic study with the school district back in Pennsylvania what originally 
alerted me was on a door, there was something called a pink triangle. Now I knew from having been on freerepublic.com, uh, which is a, a conservative website, I knew to look for that pink triangle zone because I had already been reading about conservative issues. Hmm. When I got into a school, it was in an elementary school and it was a third grade classroom and I saw a pink triangle on the, on the door, I knew what that was. Not, no one else knew what it was. And I asked the person that I we were involved with uh, the group then at the time. And I said, can you tell me why is this pink triangle on this door in this third grade? And they had to tell me, well, it's where uh, children who identify as, um, at the time who identify as gay can come in and they can speak with a counselor about how they feel about things. And I said, well, would you be alerting the parents? Now I already knew that they weren't gonna alert the parents. Right. So the not. other people in the group were completely confused about what was going on. And I, I said, look, I know what that is. It was back and people can look up pink triangle zones. This was a long, long time ago. It was over 20 years ago, but I knew what it was. And I said, I know what you guys are trying to do, right? You're trying right. to indoctrinate children. And that was very unfortunate. So, um, having been yeah. forewarned of what, what it was, I knew I'm going to get my kids out of the system. Right. So let, let's talk about, you, you, you have this term that you say, you began ringing the bell in the public square. So um, what have you been doing? So you've taken all of your, your insight, your years of community organizing, then kind of this awareness, and you've been ringing it in the public square. I love <laughs> that. And thank you. Thank you. Well, um, well, you're welcome. I don't know if I reached anybody because really, you know, I was, I was out there. I say ringing the bell in the public square, like almost like a lunatic. Sometimes people would look <laughs> at me like, where are you getting this stuff from? But again, I was, I was posting on freerepublic.com. I already knew a lot of things that were going on from <clears throat> were happening there at that site. And what I've been doing since is I would, you know, discuss my, what my findings are in public and tell people. Um, and I did it, what's called microblogging, which was at that site, freerepublic.com. Here's what's happening. Here's what's going on. This is what I saw. Here's a photo. I didn't have a phone at the time, but going forward where I have a phone, here's a photo. Here's what somebody said. Here's an interview that I did. And so basically it started with microblogging and now I am writing articles. I'm making podcasts on manuals that I've deconstructed. Um, and I'm just talking and talking as much as I can to try to educate people that you're not crazy if you see these things going on way back mm -hmm. then. Oh, you know, it was people thought that I was crazy when I told them this is what's going to happen. Yeah, and not, not, gonna, not anymore, right? Now they're like, okay. <laughs> I told people 20 uh, over 20 years ago, it's going to get to the point where people are going to have to prove a tolerance to homosexuality in order to graduate from high school. And I was called crazy 20 years ago. So these mm. things have been out there and the plans mm. have been in action for all of that time. Now, as a stay-at-home mom, I know the last thing that you're worried about most days is what's going on in the crazy world. You're focused on your kids, your family, your husband, your house, everything else. And so moms are really, I think, some of the last people to understand what's happened or happening. So mm -hmm. be because of my experience with community organizing, I had that sort of secret view, right? right. I get a right. peek, I get you a did. secret peek. 
before all the rest of y'all, but that's only because I had been a community organizer. So um, otherwise I would have been just like the rest of the moms who are yeah. like coming out of a hole. You feel like you're coming out of a hole, right? Like yeah. you've been in this little burrow with your family raising right. kids and you raise up your head and you look around and especially now things have right. changed so much. So dramatically and it's so aggressive and it's so um, obvious and it is just really um, nobody cares. They just love everybody being aggravated. They love putting people in sections. They love creating um, destruction. Uh, it's just everywhere. It, it, if, if we don't know that now between even just masks and vaccinations and, and um, you know, genders and are you for the police or not for the police? Are you conservative? Or are you liberal or whatever it is? I mean, we just constantly have to be dividing everyone into these these groups and causing a lot of, do you stand for the Pledge of Allegiance? Do you sing the, the national anthem? I mean, this just goes on and on. And why should kids have to deal with, do I sing the national anthem? Do I say the pledge? You know, do I love America? I mean, some of these things have just taken us down a road that none of us would ever have thought would ever really be happening. But let's, let's talk about this too, because you now talk about citizen journalism to me on the phone. And that how moms who now have maybe seen or um, exposed something in their area can now become citizen journal journalists and help write and and post and share. What are some what's some advice for the moms that are listening um, and, and helping to share what's happening in their community at their school or in their home? Okay, so are you ready for this? On top yes. Of on top of how excited I am about my children, like how much I want to tell you about my kids, I want to tell you about citizen journalism. So thank you for letting me talk to your audience about that. I think that moms are the natural best people to help get this republic going back in the right direction. And I believe that one of the biggest, um, easiest, most profound ways that we can do it is through a, something called citizen journalism. And I actually yes, started, mamas, listen to this, listen to yes. this, because we need the moms out there engaged. Right. I want to, I want to, I want to bring them all in and say, listen, moms, we can do this. Um, and I started a website called kitchen table journalism.us. And it's just got sort of a front page on there. Um, but this is where I'm going to start putting in some more ideas. And this is what I want moms to know is y'all think about going to the kitchen table and talking to your family about issues that are concerning you. This is mm -hmm. the beginning of your citizen journalism. Citizen journalism, I first learned about from Andrew Breitbart back in the 90s. Oh yeah. During the uh, Los Angeles riots or after, I can't remember exactly when it was. It was probably after the Los Angeles riots where I, I learned the term from Andrew Breitbart. So what's citizen journalism? It's basically, if you go back to the American revolution, there are the pamphleteers right? Mm -hmm. So we're the modern day pamphleteers and we can use digital media. We can use podcasts like this. We right. can use radio, you know, any, anything, anything. And so basically citizen journalism is you're a citizen and you're a journalist. It's so easy, right? So you don't have to go to some journalism school. I am a successful person. I made a career out of citizen journalism. So that's another thing that moms could really get a hold of. Um, you can do it at home. So what do you do as a citizen journalist? Right. What, what, what do you do? What do you write so, about? How do you do that? So what are, the, what are the concerns that you have when you're sitting at the kitchen table and probably many of your uh, audience are worried about the schools, right? So 
as a citizen, you can go in to many public meetings. That's just a great place to start. Go to public meetings, use your phone, record what's going on. And with just a small amount of journalist ability and moms, if you can raise kids, you have the ability, right? Moms <laughs> are the most amazing people with, with the things that That's they right. juggle, the ways that they can learn quickly, um, how they can adapt to situations. So basically you go to a public meeting of something that's of concern of yours and you start recording okay then you bring it back to your social media and with a few tact journalist skill you know make a headline set a narrative put up a video and you say this is why i'm doing this that's all citizen journalism is, is. as you grow in skills you could get onto bigger platforms and get paid to do it i love so, it now you're going to, I'm just going to tease this to everybody. You've committed that you're going to do a little bit of a citizen journalism workshop with us somewhere along the way here and give our moms some tips. But this is great because this is kind of just putting it out there, letting moms think about it, right? Mm -hmm. Bring it into their home and into their life. And then just think about, I can help educate people on what's happening. And then again, this is what we tell everybody, Carrie, right? We see one mom doing it and we, another mom says, wow, she can do it. I can do it. Yes. Carrie, Carrie was, you know, a citizen journalism and now journalist, and now she's making a, a, a income and working from home and, you know, following her passion. So um, moms I think sometimes we get so caught up in our world, which is so important, number one, but that right along the way, we can just constantly be an influencer in our community and helping other moms know what's going on because moms are the greatest at sharing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, coming from the world of being a mom, we're, we're told that we're just, you know, that we don't have these skills because we spent so much time being moms and we know, no, 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 we are Excellent. We have skills. we have every skill there is. That's what I tell them, right? We have every job resume that there is. And we know how to get online and find something if we really want it. Connect the dots. So moms for naturals for this field. So if anybody's listening who's interested, I just encourage them, you know, put it in your heart, think about it, and consider yourself that you can do it. If I listen, like you said, if I can do it, any of y'all can do it. Any mom out there can do it. That's right. So I want to end with just a little bit of advice and maybe just from what you're seeing, um, you know, the term Marxism is kind of thrown around quite a bit. Cultural Marxism is a term that you've actually um, talked about. Do, I don't know. Do, do you think that maybe moms don't realize how um, prominent this is or how incorporated it is? Um, what would you say to moms about this? Because this really is where America is going if we don't stop, right? This America will change. We are really only one generation away from, from losing our freedom. We know that. We can see that. Now it's more obvious than ever. What would you say to moms about just the fact that our culture is, is, is changing so extreme and that Marxism is really knocking at our door? Yeah, Marxism is actually more than knocking at our door. It's in our house. It's at yeah. our kitchen table. You're right. it, in our grocery store, it's everywhere. And so I say this without judgment, moms, you have not paid attention to what has happened and you've been busy and America is a beautiful country. And there are so many opportunities for, you know, to, to get lost and just the beauty of freedom. The problem is that because many generations before us didn't 
take it seriously when Marxism was at the door, we, you and I now have it in our house, at our kitchen table, in our children's school, in every aspect of our lives. And so we have to make the choice when our children get to be a little bit older. Now, my youngest child is 14. So now is the time for me to fight. Okay. She's my elders are, they're okay. They're independent for moms who have young children. I'm not really talking to them because you know, we've got to, we have to nurture our young children, moms of older children. You need to get into the battle. You need to get into the fight. You need to figure it out. And I say that without judgment, but we bypassed a lot of opportunity to kick Marxism out of the country, out of the country. And what's cultural Marxism is cultural Marxism is using a, a, a cultural um, sort of a cultural influence to implement right. Marxism in a timely topic, a timely topic. And really when I'm saying knocking at the door, it's in our country, it's knocking at the door of your home. But like you're saying, it really is in every facet. We just have to look for it. And once you start looking for this agenda that is um, counter freedom, counter the constitution, it's, you start noticing it everywhere. And that's what cultural means, right? Yeah, you can, you could use it that way. And also the things, um, okay. So I, I like to use the reference of like the cloth bag with the really cool, awesome icon that everybody likes of the, like the sunshine with the groovy little eyes or whatever. If it's selling a message that is anti-liberty, it doesn't matter how cool it is. If it's a company that's invested in things like cultural Marxism, critical race theory, or Democrat policies right now, we can broaden it out to Democrat policies. It doesn't matter how awesome that bag is, that television show is, that that song. Use cultural influences to get their messages out sure do. about this is why it's cool to vote for us. And that's right. basically the bottom line, you know, that, that that's the end of the path of why they do the things that they do is they want the political power. So we know often things like in the feminist movement, there are many moms who know, listen, the feminist movement is full of messaging that is anti-male, which right. was the foundation for a number of the problems that we have now. So not to go down too much of a rabbit hole on, on, the, on history of Marxism, but yeah, we're we're probably at the end of the Marxist revolution in the United States. It doesn't mean that we can't win it back though. There is hope. There's oh. hope because people like you are exposing and talking to other moms and that the moms that are listening are obviously listening because they're concerned about the future of our country and they want to save America for their kids. I mean, it is the moms to me are on the front line. We tell everybody we are the, the, we're the women's group that love the men and the dads have a special, special role, but the moms are the ones that have this unique um, spirit led uh, discernment in their hearts and minds where kids can come home and present something and a dad will see it one way and a mom will see it another way. And that's the gifts that God's created us to be. You know, moms really are the greatest influencers. They're the defenders. They're the ones that are teaching our kids at mm-hmm. our kitchen table. Mm-hmm. And we have to constantly be aware of what's going on. So um, this is just something we've got to understand that there is a this, this agitation, this, um, I forgot the term already that you told me, um, grievance industry. Grievance this industry. is real. It is real. Right? 
This is real. And we can fight it. We can push it back for the good of our children and the good of the country. Because what's good for our children is good for the country. So as moms, we know what's going to be good for our children. All we need to do is realize we have the keys to knowledge of what's good for the country and then go do something about it. That's it. Well, I've thank you, Carrie, so much for joining us. I cannot wait to uh, further connect with you about citizen journalism uh, for our moms and have you give us some tips and some insight because I know that off of this podcast, moms are going to say, I do want to participate. I do need some help. Um, and you're going to help us I am. Moms along the way. I'm going to be jumping for joy, like more than bragging about my kids to see <laughs> moms out there, you know, using their gifts and their skills to save the country because we can do it. We sure can. Thank you, Carrie, for your voice, for your pen, for your blogs, for your videos, for everything that you're doing. Um, it's people like you that inspire us to keep going in a, in a, in a world that's kind of confusing. And sometimes it's tough to, to make these decisions to go forward and to fight, but we have got to, we are the greatest defenders and uh, we are not giving up this country. We are not giving up this country. I'm with you. Thank you so much for having me. I love your group. And I know a number of people on your board. I'm so excited to have spent this time with you. I look forward to talking to you some more. Thanks, Carrie. Well, before we close out, I do want to go ahead and encourage all of you because as, as Carrie and I spoke um, during this podcast, a lot of moms are looking for information. Um, and I want to tell you about our signature project called the Cottage Meetings. All right. The Cottage Meetings are 12 inspiring lessons where moms learn about America's history and heritage, the principles of liberty that build a foundation of freedom in our family and in our community. Again, it is called the Cottage Meetings. We have a lot of educational resources and a lot of virtual and live meetings that are happening on our um, podcast, on, on our website on a regular basis. And I want to invite you to go ahead and take a look at that. Again, it's the Cottage Meeting Project. It is on our website, momsforamerica.us. Please visit our website and get... Um, all the information we have and all the resources that we have for you, mom, so you can just build up your home and your children, right? Thanks so much for joining us. Subscribe, like, share. This was a great podcast about uh, a community organizer uh, realizing what's going on in our country and helping to save America one home at a time. That's how we're going to do it. One home at a time, moms. Thanks for joining us, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks.